Welcome one and all to Vision on Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. This week we welcome another new voice to Vision on Sound, Lynn Harvey, a creative writing tutor who has an interesting tale to tell involving when the boat comes in, as well as having some fascinating memories of Public Eye, and she's someone who is also very fond of TV theme tunes, so let's just get on with the show, shall we, and launch those time engines. Oh, Lynn, how the heck are you? Not too bad, Martin, actually. Not too bad at all. Nothing really strange has happened today. Well, welcome for the first time to Vision on Sound. We're going to talk a little bit about television, as we always do, but uh, I just really wanted to give people a, a quick introduction uh, and, and indeed how we kind of kind of got in touch. You are a fan of classic television, classic drama, but uh, you were talking on Facebook about... Well, do you want to tell people about your, yeah, your situation? Yeah, what happened, what happened was I, I, I teach creative writing and mm-hmm. uh, for one of the guy's homework, mm-hmm. I wanted him to watch um, some vintage drama. I wanted him to watch mm-hmm. a, a play for today or an armchair theatre right. or a Wednesday play. I wanted him to watch something like this. And he said quite adamantly, he said, Lynn, I can't watch anything that was made before 1990. He said it would just be awful. Right. So I that's, said, that's a very, that's a very, <laughs> it's a guillotine approach, isn't it? It's like everything before that date is completely unwatchable. That's a fascinating position to yeah, take. Yeah, I don't know why he said 1990. I think Paul is about mm. uh, 26, 27. Right. He's a guy about 27. Mm. So but I always think he had a bad experience with Britbox or something. (laughs) Well, I always try to broaden their experiences because I know this guy, Paul, he wants to write mostly comedy and and he's Mm. very good, actually. But I thought you you need to have a lot more knowledge under your belt than he's got about what went on Mm. before. So I, mm. I was coming at it from all angles. And so I was picking things out of my head and I thought, well, I know what's on at the minute. Uh, when the boat comes in, I'm watching that oh, at okay. the minute. And it's on Sky Drama. And mm-hmm. uh, so I said, look, Paul, just watch. I said, have you got your... I knew you had Sky, but I said, it's <laughs> on Sky Drama. And mm-hmm. I said, uh, please just watch when the boat comes in. Right. And he said, oh, mm-hmm. what's that about? And I said, well, it's about this guy <laughs> coming back from the First World War. And he said, like Peaky Blinders. Mm. I said, yes, actually, yes, it is a bit like Peaky Blinders, mm. a very enigmatic right. chap coming back from the First World War. I was clutching at straws, mm. really. But it is a bit like Peaky Blinders, actually. Mm. And uh, so he said, oh, OK, then. Yeah, and I thought, I know what's going to happen. He's just going to mm. flick through an episode. Yeah. And and that'll be the end of that. So I'll have to suggest mm. something else in a few weeks' time. Mm. Well, so a few week, weeks went by and we had a mm-hmm. Skype catch-up. Right. And, um, you know when the face comes on screen and you say, hello, how are you doing? His face mm-hmm. came on screen 
and he didn't say hello or anything. He just immediately sang the theme tune to When the Boat Comes In. <laughs> Come hear me, little Jackie. No, I've smoked me backy. Have a bit of cracky till the boat comes in. Dance to the daddy, sing to the mummy. Dance to the daddy, to the mummy, sing. Thou shalt have the fishy on a little dishy. Thou shalt have the fishy when the boat comes in. Absolutely, perfectly with all the nuances. Mm. Somewhere Alex, Alex Glasgow, wasn't it? But he did it mm. so well, and I, I just mm. couldn't. You've seen more than it. one episode of that. You're thinking. Aren't you? <laughs> he loves it, Martin. He loves it. He can't get enough wow. of it. Wow. What do you think it is about television of that era that one? What do you think it is about that switches people off, and what is it about it that when people see it, they actually go, oh? That's not as bad as I thought. Do you think there's anything particular about that sort of television that draws them in? I Well, I actually asked him and, and I said, hmm. OK, 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 tell me what, why you've watched now. I think you've watched mm -hmm. 10 episodes by then. Wow. <laughs> now that's in that's this... commitment, isn't it? This, in this day and age, that is, that is pretty commitment to something, you know, like you say, that you, you were convinced you were going to hate. <laughs> He, he absolutely loved it. And, wow. and like me, he's rationing himself with it because I could oh, easily okay. sit there with a glass of wine and just watch episode after yeah. episode. But yeah, I thought, do the whole lot in, the, in a weekend yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah. I've, I've just watched the end of the first series. I've just started mm. uh, the other day, the mm. first episode of, of series two. But he said... Mm. He, he said, oh, people are talking. And he, says, I, I, mm -hmm. and he said, I know it sounds odd, Lynn, but I believe them. And he said, it's not all that slickly done, he said, because mm. I saw banisters wobbling and I knew what episode mm. he meant. I knew what episode he mm. meant. No, I know. In the northeast, back in them days, everybody's banister wobble. Yes, probably, probably, <laughs> probably. So, but he, he said, I have to say that's my dog scratching at the back. No, that's fine. Just sitting down. He probably wants to watch another episode. <laughs> what are you doing chatting on here for? We need to watch more telly. More Jimmy Bolam. <laughs> oh, yeah, more Jimmy Bolam. But uh, I watch it and I think mm. the actors, the writer was given... Mm. a lot more headway writers then were given a lot more headway mm. they could they'd had an they'd have an idea mm. and some ideas were very strange in play for today mm. for example the wednesday play mm. very strange mm. and i'm not saying they all worked but i liked every mm. single one of all the plays for today's armchair theaters mm. etc mm. but yeah what was it about this it's honest and it's intense that's what i've been mm. noticing it's intense mm. and the actors seem to believe more in mm. what they're involved in and mm. it's it's it sounds corny but it seems real those sets mm. seem real the, the, the dialogue yeah. that they're coming out with which is beautiful by the way and when the boat comes mm. in it's absolutely beautiful dialogue i've been i've been singing that song to my donkeys <laughs> but there is something isn't there about i think there's something about that four camera studio setup because people are acting all the time, so it's very theatrical. They're it, in it. It, but that means that the acting is has to be convincing because the world they're creating is complete. You know, it's not like they're doing the take and then they're going off and having a cup of coffee. Yeah. They are in that world they for the entire duration of the recording. It, 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 it's exactly right, and it's, it is very intense mm. and very believable. Mm. 
and uh, mm. and they shoot they shot quite a lot of the uh, scene at the same time mm. as you say and I was I was reading about it a few weeks ago, but uh, mm. a, a lot of it is also due down to casting. I think mm. in today's TV dramas, dare I say, everything seems so insipid. It's all the same. Mm. It's slick. It's stylish. Without mm. a lot of it is without the content, and mm. it's like watching the same thing over mm. and over and over again. Mm. And this was very different, very, very different for its time. And I, mm. I, I'm loving it. I'm loving every second mm. of it. Are you a James Bolam fan particularly, or was it? Is it that series that you particularly like? Uh, do you know what? Uh, for years, I went off James Bolam, and really it was mm. because of what Rodney Bewes had put in the press about oh, James yeah, about Bolham them not talking and, and mm. like and I was I felt so sorry for Rodney Bewes and I thought mm. oh James Bolland being quite nasty blah 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 and mm. then when Rodney Bewes died uh, mm. James Bolland who hardly ever gives interviews or speaks spoke out and he, mm. and he said I don't know if this is true but this is what he said he said mm. that Rodney Bewes was prone to fairy tailing and exaggerating and making things mm. up as it goes along because he wanted mm. the focus and the feelings on him. That's what he mm. said. I don't know if it's true or not, mm -hmm. but it seemed believable what he mm. was saying to me. And my opinion has been changing mm. of James Bolam. Yeah, his acting is excellent. Mm. There's no doubt about mm. that. So, mm. and it, but I mean, are you drawn to say new tricks? Would you watch new tricks? Are you a fan of no. the Biderbeck series? The Biderbeck series. Like? <laughs> yes, we watched that years ago, mm. and mm. Uh, I didn't really understand it. it, it, it <laughs> <laughs> okay. I went with it, and it was great. I forgot the actress's name in that. Mm. Uh, I quite like her. I forgot mm. her name. But oh, Barbara Flynn. That's it, Barbara Flynn. She, she was in some really good stuff. Mm. We watched it, mm. really enjoyed it. And then mm. in, I understood it to begin with. Mm. And then it got all a bit wacky. Metatextual, I think. And I thought, okay, what's going on now? And mm. we kept saying, well, give it another episode. We'll give it another mm. episode. And we watched it because mm. we enjoyed it. And even though we yeah. didn't really understand mm. all the nuances and what mm. was going on, we just enjoyed it. So, yeah. Mm. But I mean, are you historically fans of whatever happened to the Likely Lads or anything? Is it, I mean, is, yes. is there a, a James yes. Boland sort of thread that runs through your life? You're not sitting there just thinking, James Boland, he's my guy. I don't care what he's in. But it's just I'm just trying to work out really what brought you back to when the boat comes in. To be honest, um, and well, I loved whatever happened to the Likely Lads. I absolutely loved mm. it because I fancied Rodney Hughes mm. for a start. So ah, I really fair enough. Liked it, and uh, it must be the hair, Thelma. Yes. Thelma, <laughs> <laughs> dearest. Yes, I, know. <laughs> I used to want to be Thelma. It was Thelma, wasn't right. it? And I thought, oh God, you know, she's so perfect. Well, her mm. attitude not so, but I thought she was just so perfect to look at. Mm. But yeah, I used to love that, and I used to, that's one of my favourite theme tunes, by the way. Uh, whatever happened to the Likely mm. Lads? Um, I love the fact that her dad is played by Compo. <laughs> yeah, no. From after the summer wine. <laughs> I just like these connections, but uh, but that's that's but just one of the he ones. Got a Yorkshire accent. They're I actually think he was a southerner, but he because uh, if if you look at any of his early work, he, he's very much you know Cockney, but but he he developed a very convincing Yorkshire accent. For last of just, summer he's wine. He's just very good. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I love that, and I love the theme. I love the theme tune, mm. but only the chorus. Mm. They only play the chorus mm. for the theme tune, and I've heard mm. the rest of the song, and it's mm. not so good. It's disjointed. So, mm. but that's one of my favourite theme tunes. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love the What Happened to the Likely Lads, and mm. uh, with the Bye the Beck Affair when mm. the boat comes in. But I didn't mm. start watching again when mm. the boat comes in for James Bolam. I just mm. vaguely remembered this good series. Uh, that I was mm. watching, and I, I remember mm. loving the theme tune and singing it, you mm. know, dancing around mm. the living room oh, yeah, with yeah, my yeah, sister. Yeah. And and watching it again, I realised mm. how much I missed uh, when I was younger. And mm. so I am seriously enjoying that, yeah. Mm. There's one episode in particular, and it's in series one, and it's episode mm. 11, and it's called Happy New Year for Some. Mm. And... It is written by Alex Glasgow, actually. He wrote the mm-hmm. theme tune. And uh, that is so well done. Mm. It is going to sound ridiculous, but I watched it a couple of weeks ago, it was, and I was watching the scene where Bill, young Bill, was pushing his mm. father, Billy, in the wheelchair, he's had a mining accident, right. through the streets to the New Year's Eve party, the daughter's New Year's Eve party. And uh, the, the old man doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to go to a New Year's mm. Eve party. And Bill, the trainee doctor, is pushing him through the streets in the dark. It's mm. pitch black. And, uh, and at one point, young Bill starts shouting. And I was so into it. I was so into it. And I saw spittle mm. come out of his mouth. And I swear it hit my arm. And I know that sounds ridiculous. I do <laughs> know how ridiculous that sounds. No, no. But it was only for... A millisecond, yeah. just a tiny, tiny second. Yeah. And the party where they're trying to get the old man to be involved and he won't mm. because he's in a wheelchair out the back mm. and he thinks he's got nothing to contribute, you know, anymore. Mm. And it's so, so well done. Mm. And trying to get the old... The, in the end, you see the old man wheeling himself mm. into the living room where the party's going on. Mm. And he's still got this gruff face. Yeah. And uh, Bill... Uh, the younger son and Tommy, uh, they're trying to get him to smile. Come on, Dad, you know, give mm. us a smile. And the acting by that man, it's James Garbutt, he's, mm. is absolutely spot on. Because mm-hmm. how he held that face of not smiling with that grudge with these two young chaps, you know, trying to get mm. him to smile as an actor, but hold the emotion of not being mm. part of it and you know in a wheelchair now and everyone enjoying mm. themselves and then a smile mm. just comes to his face the acting is absolutely superb spot on there's a strength to it though isn't it well, what fascinates me is you could take a show like when the boat comes in which is you know it ran for several years and and had that sort of sunday night drama real powerful stuff going on and you think that and that was the one you chose to recommend to your student I, I mean, do you kind of find yourself thinking, I'm glad I didn't pick Howard's Way or something like that? I mean... <laughs> well, number one, I never watched Howard's Way. <laughs> right, OK. You see, right, I think with Paul saying I'm not going to watch mm. anything uh, mm. that was made before 1990, I'm the other mm. way. I sort of mm. drifted off drama as it mm. became more formulaic. And mm. um I'm not saying it all was, but I, mm. I, I drifted off a lot of it because it was just, mm. it didn't hold, there wasn't that intensity. It, everything mm. seemed the same. And 
it's detective as a murder and mm. who did it and, and mm. just constantly there's a very sensationalist approach isn't there I, I i'm kind of fascinated because you, you were talking about the specifics of that the scene with the wheelchair and it reminds me i, I i'm not saying it's it's you know ripping it off or anything because it but that's not what i'm saying but it reminds me of some of the themes in the first nigel barton play that dennis potter wrote back in the 60s you know where he's where his dad's suffering from being down the pit and his lung he's got bad lungs and they're walking down the street so it's not the same scene but it's the same kind of thing and what fascinates me about those dramas from the 70s something like zed cars even that you've got the formula of the series and yet within that the writers can tell whatever story they like as long as at the end of it the characters are the same more or less as they were at the beginning mm. of the show or mm. or mm. you know the actual series can continue without they haven't sort of bumped off the main lead character just because they felt like it you know you've got you can take the characters the situation and basically write whatever story you want to and i think those kinds of shows you know be it the brothers you know anything from the 70s you know uh, the Yanidin line if oh, you I wanted to write yeah. write a show that just you know told i don't know a completely different story within the format of the Yanidin line writers went off and did it um i mean weirdly enough we talked about um oh god i've forgotten his name now alan um alan plater sorry yes alan plater yeah you, you've got someone like alan plater and he would take on a Z cars or a softly softly yeah. or something and it would be a completely different feeling episode to last week's softly softly or or next week's Z cars it would have its own alan plater feel to it and you know, he might write for the underdog whereas another writer on the series might be a bit right wing and decide that he's just going to go in gung-ho all guns blazing but over the course of a series like when the boat comes in like Z cars you actually were getting a similar feel to to play for today yeah. And obviously Play for Today took those things and said, right, we don't need the set characters. We're going to, this is just a play. But sometimes the themes and subjects that they were touching on feel very similar. You know, a Play for Today and a episode of Zedcast can sometimes feel very interchangeable. I, I agree. Uh, because the those classic series, each episode was a play in itself, wasn't it? Mm. A separate drama mm. even though it continues and you and you know the characters you know the characters nuances etc etc mm. uh, each one was a little play in itself mm. like the series now it's like it's just more of the same it's just like mm. it's, it's i just can't it's just watching the same thing over and mm. over again if i see one more person in a detective series running mm. downstairs on a phone i tell you and they do the mm. same things over and over again mm. as you say they had a, a raft of writers on these series as well mm. and as you say that each one will put a different spin on them which mm. was the beauty of it you, you, mm. it engaged you it engaged mm. you you believed in it it entertained you mm. in a way that a lot of TV series now don't... Well, they don't do it for me anyway. They don't do it for me. I, I have a confession to make. I um, I can't remember which series it was. It may have been something called Silk, <laughs> which is a legal drama. But I actually couldn't watch it because I saw a 30-second trailer for it and there were all those me melodramatic beats and, yes. and those pauses that they put in the trailer to make <laughs> you go, whoa, I really want to watch this, are the thing that make me sit at home going... Oh, that looks awful. Exactly. 
and you do find yourself thinking am i really am i that you know prejudiced against the writing because obviously the show might not be like that but because they're trying to make it punchy yeah, and exciting for the half hour trailer we'll watch this yeah but it just i sometimes see these trails and think well you've basically convinced me i'm never going to watch that one <laughs> i'll tell you one show that gets me as well i, I watched uh, a few years ago and and you know to be fair it was very popular and everything like that a thing called killing eve i don't know if you heard of killing eve well i've seen the clips on gogglebox mm. and that's mm. put me off i'm afraid mm. well, we watched the first series and it was one of those shows where actually it was about a five-part story that was stretched to eight episodes mm. and and for me there were three episodes in the middle that were just treading water they just they didn't really go anywhere they just sort of the story didn't progress or anything like that but you see this has become the thing now isn't it to bring viewers back the arc storyline across seven or eight episodes now or, or five or six episodes or whatever the number they choose is is becoming the way television is made mm. and i think the one of the fascinating things about 60s and 70s television 80s television as well is that things could be self-contained that you could have a really powerful storyline that told everything you needed to know in that 50 minutes but then next week it might be referred back to oh you remember that time when we were in you know but it, it doesn't necessarily you don't have to watch all eight if you mm. see what i mean you, mm. you can just get what you want out of that one episode your student now i mean presumably you said he had an interesting comedy is he now writing a lot of geordie based comedy do you think <laughs> well i asked him to then write a parody and i said whatever ah. you do paul don't go for the obvious meaning mm. the accent and i had a feeling because mm. you know i've seen his previous work i had a feeling where he was going to go and he did mm. he went for mm. the bread <laughs> because a lot mm. of the scenes open up with them cutting bread in the kitchen mm. and it, he, he did he did really, uh, quite a good actually skit with, with involving mm. bread sounds ridiculous i know but he did see I, i'm amazed actually I, what i like about a lot of that television is how subversive it, it can be especially politically you know mm. they can slide stories about the pre-nhs world under the radar in what is you know ostensibly a, a sunday night drama about sort of people you know making money in, in the northeast but it, you can actually tell these stories about other things underneath it and there's a lot of mm. very subversive very clever writers back then who were sort of yeah. just just active enough just interested enough in other aspects of life to to sneak it through past you know, nobody notices and suddenly oh, hold on that's a bit right that's a bit <laughs> left wing that program you know it was very very left wing actually and it very mm. very political mm. Uh, but they were hard times. Is it a cheery watch? I mean, do you do you come away from it? I mean, you obviously come away from it wanting to see more of it. But is it cheerful? E yes, right. yes. It's I would uplifting. Say yeah. It's not obvious humour, but I have had a few mm. laughs from it as well, mm. and then mm. it's quite heartwarming as well. Mm. Uh, and one of the, what I must mention this guy, Jeffrey mm. Rose, I think his name is. He plays mm -hmm. the husband of Jesse, Jesse Seaton, the daughter, okay. and he talks nothing like <laughs> they they talk. He's a school teacher, and he comes from Kent, and he's got a very very deep voice, very well spoken mm. voice, and he mm. is such an excellent actor and such such a juxtaposition with all these accents going on. It's just mm. delicious. It's delicious. That's the only thing mm. I can say. Every time he comes on screen, I love it.
What I love about that kind of thing, though, again, we've talked about this a few times on the show, but there was a, a time when actors could do accents and this was part of their cv you know can do scottish can do irish you know yeah. <laughs> and obviously for a series like uh, when the boat comes in you know there's a lot of geordie and i imagine there's a lot of slightly less successful geordie or i mean it, it, we're getting away from received pronunciation at this point in in television yeah. aren't we we are yeah. we, the accents are fairly genuine you would say oh definitely definitely hmm. yeah and when uh, weeks ago, um, mm. when I was speaking to Paul about it, I I, I looked mm. up the actors. I thought, strangely, I thought these mm. accents seemed so genuine to me mm. that you know, are they all Geordie? Are they? And they seem to be all Geordie. Mm. You know, they come from that area. Mm. So all the main characters, anyway. Mm. So um, there's a couple of. There's two or three that pop up in the episodes, mm. uh, lesser characters, so to speak, and I thought mm. Mm, that's not quite. <laughs> that's not quite. I don't know why they've employed you, but uh, yeah. But all the main characters <laughs> are. Well, you do get that, don't you? You, know, you <laughs> yeah. get that quite a lot in that era. There's always somebody who pops up, and you go, "You got work." <laughs> you got work. You must know someone on there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, again, there's the the repertory theatre, isn't there? That oh, repertory yeah. company people, some directors used to have. So, um, your student, they've gone away uh, and obviously now fallen in love with seventies television. <laughs> oh, I've recommended others. I gave oh, him have a you? list. Oh, right. Yeah, I gave him a list, and I said, "Well, you choose." I said, "Because mm. um, I thought I might not be as lucky the next time. I don't want to put him mm. off." So mm. I gave him a, a list of ten, and he's he's picked mm. out Callan. And mm. he's picked out one of my all-time favourites, Public Eye, and he's watching those. He loves Public, Public Eye, Eye, and he loves Callan. He wants Ooh. to be Callan now. So right. Interesting. <laughs> he's loving that. And he, he's like, what era Callan? If it's not, because I, I always find that it seems an extra leap now for the black and white stuff to get people to watch it. You know, it, I mean, there's the late colour series of Callan, the post 1970s series three and four kind of thing. They were the first ones I got, you know, to watch again. I'd seen them as a kid and remembered them but then you know i got given them as a gift you know a set of dvds of callum and um i was blown away by it i just think it, it's an amazing piece of television but some uh, younger viewers now they the black and whiteness looks too primitive to them i just wonder which which one you, you pointed mm. it, yeah it does i've heard that from other, stu other people mm. other students it puts them off anything black and mm. white and they won't watch black mm. and white film oh no 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 mm. no what the black and white mm. film but but the era i'm not quite sure of, of mm. I, I presume is watching it from the beginning mm. and i only used to watch cullen because my older sister i used to, i watched a lot of my mm. tv because my older sister put it on and she used to fancy mm. edward woodward yeah. Well, I think my mother did as well. They'd have had a bit of a fight over him, I think. <laughs> I never saw it myself, but my sister fancy did. No! So I was too young to really to know what yeah. was going on in Cannes. But I, I, yeah. it was something that draws you to the screen when it's good. And, and he's yeah. acting. And I remember Lonely in, in, in mm. Cannes. And a few mm. years ago, I started to... I thought, wow. And I, I, I got myself some DVDs of Cannes. Mm. And uh, I started... For some reason, I didn't finish it but i started mm. to watch callan and, and and again it's like oh i didn't know that happened in callan and that happened in callan you know mm. and that's got another it's a very episode. intense series callan. very intense it, and it and very actually the funny actor. thing is the amount of sweat that's pouring off the actors in the studio you can you can they absolutely sell it you know? i don't remember that <laughs> they, to be fair 
No, it, it's just so intense. You know, I, I, again, you get that impression, like the long studio nights and, you know, hot studio lights. And you just think, yeah, they're in the moment, like they would be on, on a, again, I, I keep going back to sort of this idea of theatrical television. But I, you know, I've got friends, I've got people who, who contribute to the show who they prefer that intensity of television because the acting is... It's across the board. You know, you catch the sight of somebody in the background and they're giving it their all just because they might be on camera. That is exactly right. And, and I'm also a favourite of, of the uh, more classic vintage TV dramas mm. beca exactly because of that. And mm. also, and yes, the background actors, because I tend to look at the background actors sometimes where the, mm. where the main characters speaking, because mm. sometimes what they're doing, which is what seems to be nothing the expression mm. on the face of just an eyebrow or a look mm. to the fireplace mm. is it they're in character they're absolutely in character you believe that and i tell you something else the child actors i don't know what they used to do to the child actors in those days hopefully not beat them <laughs> but the child actors are I'm, I'm sorry but they're so much better mm. because what i found with child actors in more recent times you get a lot of facial leakage where they're supposed mm. to be in a dramatic moment, and you see mm. the amount of times you see smiles creep up on mm. these child actors' faces, mm. and they're not doing it, or they're looking all over the shop, or whatever. Mm. But you look at the child actors, for example, when the moat comes in, and mm. you know they're really doing a good job. So mm. I don't know what's changed there. Mm. Well, it, it's it's I guess it's an interesting thing is that they're so in the moment. I just think I I think it was probably just pure terror, <laughs> the, the pure terror of a live TV studio. I think, I, though, there's, there's an interesting thing. I, I was recently, we've been watching a show, an American show called Warehouse 13, which, you know, whatever. But Joel Grey came in for an episode and my partner just turned to me and said, you know, it, it's interesting, isn't it? You see someone of the calibre of, of these old actors from a different age and they knock the other actors off the screen. They do, they do. And by doing nothing... But doing it so intensely, yeah. there's just those. I remember years and years ago, there was a show called Strange. Do you remember Strange? It was a six-part thing with Richard Coyle and Samantha Janus. No, I don't remember that one. Investig. No. It was a. It was one of those ones that came and went. I think Ian Richard was in it, and in the very last episode of Six, he and Tom Baker just sat in a church having a discussion, and it was mesmeric. It was just the most wonderful scene, mm. and in the rest of the six weeks of the show just look utterly average <laughs> in comparison because you just got these two old you know good old actors just acting and it was absolutely astonishing to see and i think sometimes it's so difficult to put your finger on what makes it work like that but it really does but sometimes it's just the simplicity and, and purity mm. of thought and purity of, mm. of the speech and what's behind, mm. you know, what's behind those words. Mm. I think they try and get too clever sometimes with mm. with uh, today's dramas. You know, mm. it's a lot happening, but not a lot is happening, mm. really. Not a lot mm. interesting happening. And and it's quite pure, the, the, the writing and the acting of yesterday's TV. Not all, but most of it. Well, recently, uh, Michael Gambon died. Oh, yeah. In his eighties, and people again saying what he did was miraculous, and and again you only have to look at him on the screen, and it's subtle, it's so subtle, it but it's absolutely convincing. But it held you, it held you, mm. yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, are you a fan of the Singing Detective? Or did you watch? The watched Singing it Detective? about. Th I I love 
most of Dennis Potter's work. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, again, uh, that comes from experience of play for today as, as yeah. well. I mean that. I mean that's like a six-part play for today, isn't it? Really. Mm. When it, it, comes it is. To... Yeah. I think my favourite one is Lipstick on Your Collar, though. To be mm. fair. Mm. Interesting. Okay. I love that one. Yeah, yeah. I love a lot of Dennis Potter. Yeah, I remember his last interview on TV. He was crying my eyes mm. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. It's it is one of those the television an interview with a writer on a stage is one of the more mesmeric hours of television that's ever been made. It is an astonishing. Piece he was, of he was so very very ill, but he was determined to do the interview, wasn't he? Mm. He had to take breaks, mm. didn't he, during that interview? I remember mm. it. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, um, yes, uh, you've uh, have you got any more on your list of recommendations for your students now? I mean, I, I'm trying to think how this could have gone wrong. What could you have picked? It could have. That could have... It, could have it could have gone very wrong. In fact, you know, I, I only I only did that because I thought, right, what am I enjoying at the minute? What is on at mm. the minute? So he doesn't have mm. to take that much trouble to find mm. something, you know, mm. and then just look at something quickly on YouTube and say, oh, yeah, I've seen mm. this. So I thought, mm. right, I know he's got Sky. I'll get him on when the boat mm. comes in. So, mm. But I've, I've really got him pulled in on it, though, and he's loving public mm. eye. In fact, mm. he said he, he the last correspondence I had was he was watching Callan, I presume, from the start, mm. and he started to watch public eye, and he thought, right, I'm going mm. to save that for Christmas with a oh, bottle right. of whiskey. Oh. I love the, uh, the the thing about Public Eye and Callan is I actually they're from the same stable, aren't they? They yeah, both started yeah. on ABC. Yeah, yeah. They both went to Thames, yeah. and they both lasted around about the same, more or less, yeah. the same kind of number of years. And they 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 feel a bit like yin and yang. They feel like they belong together. You know, yeah. you can't have one without the other. Yeah. But Public Eye, I, I picked it. it up a few years ago. Wonderful show. But my favourite, weirdly, is that Brighton series, the black and white. Brighton series I just I, I adore yeah. that series I, think it's I do beautifully put together I do I used to love the relationship he had with his landlady but mm. it was so subtle because she knew that he, she liked mm. him and mm. he was such a loner and he didn't want to mm. get anyone close to him he was so enigmatic mm. he played that he played an absolute blinder in that series mm. and and a lot of it is, is good casting isn't it you can't imagine mm. anyone playing playing Marker Except Alfie Burt, mm. you, you just can't. Mm. But I love that, and I love that's one of my favourite theme tunes as well, the Public Eye mm. theme tune. Mm. And uh, the black and white sequence you know, on, on the beach. Yeah, I, I love mm. those episodes, actually. And then it went to uh, Windsor Eaton, didn't it? Uh, mm. He got his own premises there. Mm. So I'm rationing myself on Public Eye as well, to be fair. Mm. So, um, yeah. Public it's a, it's just, a, it's again, it's one of those shows I, I found it sort of by accident. I, I vaguely remember it again from when I was very young. Mm. I think it was on in sort of ITV afternoons when I was in the summer holidays or whatever. But I, I, there were articles about it and I just thought, oh yeah, public eye, I'll never see that. And lo and behold, it, you know, it was for sale. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, again, that's one of those weird things. Now, I, I don't know whether it's those shows have turned up yet on on BritBox, but so they they became something you had to watch on disc if you were going to watch them at all. So you had to have a commitment to them. And and Public Eye, I'd, I'd heard just such good things about that. I thought, yeah, I'm going to give that a go. And it's it's a brilliant, a brilliant show. And again, perfectly written. And some of the stories that that get told, because I mean, you know, what it comes down to is, you know, somebody walks into an office. You know, there is an exchange, there's an investigation, but where that takes the story, it can pretty much go anywhere, any more or less. Yeah, in any direction. Mm. Yeah, and e in each episode, you, I think you learn a, mm. just a tiny grain of sand a bit more about mm. Marker because you don't learn mm. a lot about him, really. Mm. But just now and again, you, you just learn a tiny... I don't mean more about his background, I mean about him mm. as, a, as a man, mm. just a tiny bit more uh, with, mm. each, with each episode. Yeah, I like the episode with the uh, the scam with the motorcyclist. I think Dudley Sutton mm. played one of those, and I thought mm. this is so clever. This is so I believe in it. I'm there and I'm believing everything. Oh no, don't do that! Don't do that! <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm there, and I'm like you. This was on years ago. I remember being on in mm. the evening, not the afternoon. And my, again, my older mm. sister used used to watch it, and mm. I remember the music then as a kid being mm. depressing and horrible mm. and sort of sitting mm. there sort of with my sister watching mm. it but not really knowing what's going on mm. and just wanting it to end and mm. uh, for some reason I got the DVDs of it a few years ago mm. and I started to watch them and stopped and it's because a few years ago I got really 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 busy with stuff and so I wasn't mm. watching TV or DVDs uh, mm. so, so much and then it, it happens on. to the best of us <laughs> Well, it was with the animals as well, you know. And, mm. uh, yeah, fair enough. A lot of animals, and um, and then it it came out. Uh, I think it's Talking mm. Pictures uh, showed it. Mm. And I thought I'm going to record this and watch it and absolutely rev it. Mm. And now I love that music. I love that music. Mm. Uh, it's so enigmatic, and and I just I just just love every episode. I've seen two mm. or three of the episodes about three times already mm. now, but I'm rationing oh, that. Yeah as well i'm rushing myself on there's a, I, I think though going back to what you said earlier when you said you felt the drop of spittle hit you there is an intensity to that sort of television intensity mm. to that drama and you really do feel you're living it alongside the characters and it just carries you along with it doesn't it and i think sometimes it's the simplicity of it because you haven't got a helicopter exploding or or you know, really throbbing music it's just people in the moment having these dramatic things happen exactly it's the human condition although i hate that phrase mm. it's the human condition mm. and human emotion if that's what it's all mm. about that's what it's all mm. about not special effects or who's killing who or who was the murderer mm. or anything like that it's just, mm. it's brought down to its purest level but i'll give you an example of being in the moment with public eye there's mm. one scene uh where there's a lot of scenes where he gets in his office and he's putting mm. the kettle on i don't know if you remember but he always used to put the kettle on or have no I remember Frank's mug yes Frank's mug <laughs> that was it didn't his landlady give him the mug as I remember <laughs> yeah well in the kettle his only possession as far as I can see that and a mac <laughs> that's a mac yeah <laughs> there's, that, there's that moment isn't there when he's got the cardboard in his shoes his I know, shoes are so I, know yeah. I know I know I know and I associate that with something like in, in, in the Depression era of the 30s. I'm not mm. that old, by the way, but, you know, that's what you associate it back mm. there. But mm. in, in one episode, uh, I was intently watching, you know, and I think he's got no tea bags again, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Mm. 
and in the kettle you see the reflection of the camera crew mm. and you'd think that would take you away from it mm. right but it didn't because mm. the next second later you know the phone rings and you're in it again mm. i think there's something about that though i mean people back in the 70s i mean i don't know whether this still happens but if if Hilda Ogden was having struggling with her bills, people would send money to Granada Television. I know, I know. And I think there is something that you are living alongside these characters. Frank, as a character, just absolutely draw you. Like you say, you worry about him not having tea bags. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and his chips. It's something about it, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I'm not one of those people who who thinks they, you know, they li- they are real people. Yeah. I do I do know mm. that, but yeah, mm. they, they draw you in so much mm. that you're in there, you're in mm. there with them in the moment. You think, oh, he's mm. got no tea bags again. He's got to go out in the mm. rain or borrow mm. some from the antique mm. shop, the lady at the antique shop down the road. And you're completely invested in the character, and you and you worry about them. I, I it it's an amazing skill that we don't. I don't think people engage with television in quite the same way. I mean, maybe we're, we're more cynical times where people sit back and mock, but I don't think we we live the moment as well along. I mean, I, I, you know, people will probably tell me I'm completely wrong about that and they get really invested in whatever the show is. But but I I, I don't know. I, I think sometimes it's, it's as much as anything, it's because of the background music sometimes. Because sometimes to make you feel things, the music has to be stirred up to this that or the other you know I, I i tell you what one of the things i talk about or talked about over a couple of christmases is that in american cop shows whenever they do a christmas episode they always seem to put one of those songs that gets played or those very slow beat you know chestnuts roast or whatever you know has to be played in the background just to make sure you know it's christmas and you know you're supposed to feel this and i just think no, just do it in the acting, mate. Yeah, just do yeah, it in yeah. The just, just leave it to the writers <laughs> and the actors. I, I'm the same, and a lot of this inter- incidental music actually uh, no. uh, puts me off. By the way, mm. uh, there's, mm. there's some incidental. It's, music. it's an unreality, isn't it? That's the thing. And it I think takes you out. Of if it. you can get the reality, yeah, it, ta- in, it, in drama, it takes you yeah. out of it. And, and it, I'm watching these vintage dramas and I'm not mm. thinking to myself oh yeah he was in so and so and he was married to her mm. we sit there sometimes we're watching we don't watch a lot of modern dramas but the ones we do mm. we say oh he was in there you know so he got married to her mm. you know did, and you're talking mm. about the actors really mm. because they're, they're mm. not drawing you in like these these mm. vintage dramas I don't mm. sit there thinking what else you know Alfred Burt was in or you know anything like that I'm just involved in in the episode I want Mm. to know what happens next you know there have been a lot of shows in this certainly in the last year or so since the hundredth, uh, the BBC's anniversary uh, of the hundredth anniversary of the BBC. I'll put that the right way around one day. Since the hundredth anniversary, though, that and they've been showing quite a lot of stuff on BBC Four. And I mean, did you give Claudius another go? I tend not to like. <laughs> Yeah, period dramas, if you can actually put that as the classic right. period dramas. And my sister used mm. to watch I Claudia. Mm. I think sometimes mm. I associate being bored stupid as a kid with <laughs> some of these programmes which I cannot get to, to yeah. again. But I, I mm. do I do know the acting was superb in that. You know, I, and I just wondered if, if that was something that you would have sort of pointed your students towards at all. Well, uh, no. Or if you don't enjoy it, it's probably not something you would particularly 
recommend to other people, is it? No, no, it wouldn't, no. Because I notice on your list, for example, upstairs, downstairs, now upstairs, downstairs, I feel has a lot of parallels with when the boat comes in. It's not it's not the same kind of show but it has parallels with it 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 you know intensity a period setting and characters you invest in so i I, i'm intrigued by that but but claudius is possibly a little bit too far removed yeah i I like to believe in the characters that's what Mm. i like to believe and when it's Mm. some period dramas especially when it goes way back way way back Mm. i just can't Mm. i just i don't know what it is but I just can't. Mm. And sometimes I think, they didn't speak like that in those days. Mm. I would have been 10 years old when Upstairs, Downstairs finished on television. And I, even to this day, I still remember, as a 10-year-old, being shocked by James Bellamy's fate in the second-to-last episode. I I can't... I've forgotten. At that time, it just got me, you know? I've forgotten, actually. So Mm. don't tell me, so don't tell me. But I've forgotten. (laughs) I have to say, the acting is very, very, very good uh, in, mm. in Upstairs, Downstairs. But I mm. put the acting in when the boat comes in up mm. a notch, I have to say. And I put the writing mm. up a notch for mm. when the... Now, I have friends who will say that's because that's BBC and the other one's ITV and there's a difference. And I, I don't know. Because I would say to you, well, you know, <laughs> Public Eye and Callum were both ITV. Exactly. So. Yeah. No, I don't make, make that divide because uh, ITV mm. put some great mm. dramas out. No, I love mm. uh, Upstairs, Downstairs. And I love the theme tune. Mm. And in particular, Paulie Collins, when they mm. do the occasional end of the show with her scene, what mm. we're going to do with Uncle Arthur, I think is absolutely mm. superb. Yeah, I love that. So, great show, great theme tune, both. We keep keep touching on theme tunes. I I know I did a show recently on exciting theme tunes, uh, (laughs) but uh, you have a have a list of, of theme tunes that's very different from from that kind of thing you 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 have a, a list of favorites i sort of have my favorites yeah which mm. i play from time to time on youtube right. do you have the cds stuff. or or whatever or? no 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 right. no i i i i think i think of them and then i i sort of look for them on ah, YouTube, okay. I've been doing that for years actually. Oh, that's a rabbit hole, isn't it? It is I mean, a very you, big rabbit I, hole. I had a friend I used to work with who, uh, one lunchtime, he he was looking. For, we were looking for an old TV advert, and I feel that some hours passed. <laughs> Because exactly the next one would play, and the next one would play, and the next one would play, and I suspect it's much the same with TV theme tunes. It is, and I, I and again, I have to stop myself. I've been looking at mm. TV theme tunes uh, for mm. years now, uh, mm. since I, I kept thinking because there is Peter Van der Valk, and I thought, oh mm. my God, Van der Valk, Simon Park Orchestra, <sighs> absolutely mm. adore that one. Yeah, it's a real feel-good, mm. upbeat uh, theme tune. Yeah, number one hit single. I, I know, I know. In 1973, didn't it get to number one? Mm. With, with 
is it Distant Hills as the B side? That's what I always like about it. It's got, it's got the. <laughs> oh, I used to. I saw. I remember Simon Park on uh, top of the pops in his striped mm. shirt and 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 in his orchestra in his beige, mm. you know, turtlenecks. It's so. It's so safe and feel good and lovely mm. and the music's just fantastic i can't say i've ever watched an episode of vandervelt i just used to listen to the really? oh, uh, vandervelt is is a is a bizarrely wonderful show uh but uh, the thing that i most remember about it is that the opening titles uh certainly in the first version of the opening titles you just see him unwrap a cigar oh, yeah. and throw the wrapper yeah. off a roof I must have watched that hundred times. Your little out. <laughs> exactly. And then he's on high up, isn't he? And you think that's that's a mm. low ledge. He's going to fall off. <laughs> I've watched well, those. Well, they probably sent Barry Foster over there for like a day and a half. So we film all these scenes. Yeah, one go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fanta fantastic credits, fantastic theme tune. But I don't really, I didn't really watch. Uh, there are some very alarming moments where he, he, he walks around in very, very, very small underwear. So I suspect you've, That's you've, put me right off. You dodged a bullet. That's there. put me right off. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I do. I keep thinking. I keep recording it actually, and I mm. think right. I'm going to get round to watching Vanderwalk. I'm going to watch mm. it, and I just never seem mm. to get around to it. So I'm watching when the boat mm. comes in. I'm watching Public High, you know, or other mm. things that come on, and of course now Strictly yeah. Home, which I watched. But yeah. um, you get committed. I I feel this. I mean, you take a show. We again, when I say we've been watching this Warehouse 13, and we've been watching nothing else for weeks. When something grabs that, you, that's grabs the you. thing. Yeah, yeah. That happened to us with Peaky Blinders, and we, mm. we only watched Peaky Blinders. I think it was uh, two years ago, because I kept seeing mm. the clips and thinking, mm. it, "Well, it's all about for me. violence and murder mm. and mm. killing." And I thought, mm. I didn't really fancy it. And then a friend of mine mm. said, "Lynn, I just know you're going to love. It. I just know it. You're going to love it." Mm. Mm. And oh, so <laughs> we watched the first episode, and of mm. course the theme tune. Oh my God, "Red Right Hand" by Nick Cave. Um, mm. uh, and I was hooked, and we saw mm. the whole lot. In fact, we're thinking of watching it mm. all over again. So that I, I'd mm. consider that a modern day classic, something mm. that I put off watching. Yeah. I, I just loved it. I just absolutely loved mm. that. I absolutely agree I mean, people do recommend stuff to me and i do eventually come to most of it i suspect what it is is i have to wait until it's vintage enough i, do. I mean i'm astonished <laughs> i mean people are telling me that you know people won't watch shows are more than five years old and i'm thinking i'm waiting for them to be five years old i need them to be five years old before i'll give them a go because actually i think what you find is that the chaff falls away over a period of time yeah and the stuff that's big you know, the big show of the moment, which everybody forgets about two years later, you know, can fall by the wayside and be forgotten about. But the ones that people are still talking It'll about four or five top. years later are probably <laughs> worth it. Yeah. I think on, on theme tunes, though, I think my favourite, I think this is an all-out winner, no contenders, okay. is The Persuaders.
Barry. John Barry. I can't stand mm. the title of it. I think it's called Lazy Crazy Days. I think is the actual mm. title of it, which mm. is insipid. Um, mm. But the actual theme tune of Persuaders, mm. you know, I've been putting that on on YouTube for years, and I've mm. not watched one episode of the, of the program by mm. the way. You know, it, it it promises a lot that theme tune. It promises mm. a lot, and then you. I, what I love about it is it, it's actually so. It's almost again. It, it's a counterpoint to the show itself. The show is sort of light and frothy, yeah. and it's a very intense theme tune. Uh, what I love about it is when the title appears with that exclamation mark, yeah. and it's completely the note in the tune. It's not going ta da. It's just very sort of yeah. Oh, yeah, persuaders. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get Roger Moore and, and Tony Curtis acting really cheesy. And, and, he, and he just yes, maybe be, just... being all loose and flared. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love 70s fashion. Don't get me wrong. I love some of 70s mm. fashion. But those two mm. guys in... No, 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 no. It doesn't work for me. I just mm. get embarrassed watching it. I just can't watch mm. it. But the theme tune is absolutely mm. fantastic. If you put that on, just walking around the house, mm. it just makes you feel, yes, I can mm. do anything. I can do anything, you know, listening mm. to that. But the TV series... An astonishingly golden era for uh, John Barry as well. Right. I, 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 there's something about that. And actually, weirdly, the uh, I mean, people either love or hate Bond, and that's fine. But the George Lazenby Bond theme is, again, has a similar sort of feel to it. It's yeah. that it's instrumental and powerful mm. and, and sort of, down those those very deep heavy notes but but a yeah persuade is is an absolute stone cold musical classic mm. really i think that's got to be my absolute best and i've got mm. i've got quite a few that i like but that i don't know mm. i've been watching on youtube for years but that mm. i have to say is is one of my best do you think that's the one that you know as and when the time comes they'll send you through the curtains to that one Funny enough, I was having a conversation with a friend uh, the other day about about uh, awful theme tunes and second songs. It was, oh. yeah. I don't know. Poss possibly. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> possibly. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of do uh, I'm trying to remember, but I could just see da, somebody da, going through. Da, the it wasn't it like an American sitcom? Yeah. Da, 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 yeah. da, I think da, it's da, Bewitched, isn't it? It's Bewitched. Oh, is it Bewitched? I used to love Bewitched. Yeah. But the thing is that it's just that you think people you know, select their to be seen off this Mortal Coil music, and they select <laughs> the wrong track. You want to go after the Persuaders, and you get Dad's Army. Exactly. <laughs> There's a TV advert on at the moment, actually, for for a, mm. um, and it may be insurance company or whatever it is, and these two ladies at a funeral, and this awful music mm. comes on. I think it's a one man band or something, and said, "Who mm. chose that?" You know, and it's mm -hmm. because people do, don't they, funerals now, and they choose all sorts of crazy, crazy music. Well, astonishingly, we've actually nearly rattled through our hour there. Wow. Uh, you, you may be surprised to find. So I'm just going to really ask you, before we finish off, your students, uh, do you feel that television writing is in safe hands with them? Well, Paul, he's a bit different because he wants to write mm. comedy sketches, uh, mm. etc. He's not interested in, in writing mm. TV. A lot of them start there, but I mean, you know, what I'm saying is, do you feel you've actually put a nugget into these minds that where we might actually get some real quality television drama coming out in about you know ten years time from the seeds you've sown. 
Right. Well, I can tell you something. Uh, mm. One of my students wrote a fantastic single play, and I said, well, mm. to try and get in that on the BBC. It's, mm. it's really, really good. And, and, he, and I told mm. him how good that was. It was quite different and quirky. Mm. Um, and uh, he submitted it to the BBC, mm. and they wanted him. There's, there's a, a detective in it that is mm. not one of the main characters the detectives in there mm. for a, a reason familial reason yeah. and um, the bbc got back to him saying that it's invited to workshop it and uh they love the character of the detective and i'd like mm. that det- the character of the detective raised mm. so can you say it'll become another detective mm. program if that happens. <laughs> it's not what we wanted it's not it's what we a... wanted that i tell you really do you actually strong. feel though that as a last thought do you feel that the single play is something that television really could do with in the modern era. We absolutely need it. We absolutely need mm. it. I mean, we've got these TV series on themes or modern themes of our times, usually with a helpline mm. at the end. But really, mm. it's not exploring the themes of our times in the way mm. the plays of yesteryear explored the themes that, that was happening then in that era yeah they just pretend to the skirt over the surface it's sensationalist mm. we absolutely mm. do need a single mm. drama strand on mm. on television with mm. uh, and give writers who know what they're doing mm. a chance like the play for today mm. the wednesday play play of the month armchair theater etc 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 you know, gave those well, writers like, something like Kathy. Is it Kathy? Kathy home? Home. Just yeah. changed lives, didn't it? That's how Shelter came about, I believe. The charity mm. Shelter came about mm. because of Kathy Come Home. As as far as I remember, yeah. But there were mm. other plays that, that brought a lot to to the minds of people not knowing about certain mm. aspects of society. Let's say, I remember one play about um, homosexuality uh, mm. when. I think homosexuality was still legal and it became legal in mm. uh, 67. And mm. I've got very, very vague recollections of this. At the time, I didn't know what was going on. I've seen it since mm. and it was so good. It, it addressed it so well. Mm. And we're missing... These plays went into complexity of emotions mm. and themes that TV mm. dramas just don't go into. Mm. And that, for me, is what's missing. It re- it really is missing. I miss it. I, I miss TV dramas really badly. Mm. Well, you're doing your bit, though. I mean, like I say, you've you've already managed to shape one of the next generation. So I think you never know. Baby steps, we may get there. Thank you very much for your time today, Lynn. It's been an absolute joy talking to you. Oh, thank you for asking me, Martin. It's a pleasure. And uh, hopefully, you never know, we might do another one sometime. You take care. <laughs> Yes, I'm always here when I'm not looking after the donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. After our deliberate mistake, we'll be signing off with I Dream of Genie, of course. Ah, oh, well.
Many thanks to Lynn Harvey for joining me today. Great fun, and I hope she'll be back. So that's it for another Vision on the Sound. Thanks to everyone at Fab Radio International, and of course, all of you for listening. As ever, I have been Martin, and this has been Vision on Sound. Goodbye for now, and take care.